What are the biggest growth opportunities for banks, credits, and fintechs when it comes to banking as a service? And what are the most common banking as a service roadblocks that hold startups back from maximizing their future growth potential? Let's find out together on today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I'm James Robert Lay, and welcome to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Ashwin Kumar to the show. Ashwin is the head of startups at Stripe, a financial infrastructure platform for businesses. He was also previously the CEO and co-founder of Sway Finance, where they use machine learning to automate bookkeeping for small businesses. And today, we're going to dive into the biggest growth opportunities for financial brands and startups when it comes to banking as a service. Welcome to the show, Ashwin. It is so good to share time with you today, buddy. Glad to be here. I'm excited. Before we get into some of the biggest banking as a service growth opportunities you see for fintechs, financial brands, along with what I'm really interested in exploring, some of the transformative stories of those who are doing this well, those are who are doing good. What is good for you personally or professionally? Does your pick to get started? I think doing well for me really means empowering others uh, to do well yeah. on their own. Uh, I think for me, that's the most leveraged uh, way that I would approach this role or not just any, any role, to be honest. And this is why I'm kind of doing what I'm doing here. Yeah. When you help others do well, and as a result, you do well, that's an exponential like leap because, and, I, and that's the whole thing when we're thinking about, at least for me, banking as a service, the age of AI, technology, the exponentiality of it all is creating even more value than what we could have created before. What, what's your take on that idea of exponentiality here? I think that's absolutely right. When you think about technology uh, or even in my role, I work with a lot of startups. Yeah. And so think about enabling startups who are building the future. Yes. Uh, it is exponential because the better we are, the better I am at doing my role, the better multiple startups can be mm -hmm. uh, in doing what they're doing, right? And the same thing with AI and any other technology, honestly, is it takes fewer and fewer people to create more and more impact. Right. Uh, it sustains itself. If you look what happened with the GPT, for example, uh, right? It's They started, they created this, this model and they put it out there and then people are building on top of it and now yep. they're creating better models and... Uh, it's very exciting. Let's talk about that because you are working with startups. And before we get into some of the stories and the narratives from their experiences, I just want to take a step back for context of, of where we have been leading up to this point, because I have had a lot of conversations around the subject of banking as a service on the podcast. And it seems like there are in fact, always new opportunities. Back to your G chat GPT example, you know, you're, you're building upon what was previously there and the iterations seem to be getting faster and faster. 
What have you seen from an evolution standpoint over the past, maybe just the year, two year horizon line leading up to where we're at today? What, what's, what are the trends that are percolating up to the top? Yeah. So uh, in software, we like to think of software as basically abstraction layers. Uh, and the more that we abstract building blocks, the more people can piece those together to create new yep. uh, ideas. Right. And so it's the same thing that I've been seeing in banking as a service uh, or in the banking space generally in the fintech spaces, it was really difficult to launch a card product or launch an account product. And so you had fewer companies that were able to do that. Right. Uh, we have seen this trend and we, we were participating in it of partnering now with the banks and then building the technology layer on top of it and the user interface so that there's more companies that can not have to think about all the logistics uh, of partnering with the bank. And we've abstracted that away. And so I'm seeing more and more Lego pieces being. I love that example. I love that analogy. Yeah, I'm seeing there's more powerful Lego pieces and there's people putting them together. Founders, entrepreneurs putting them together in new ways that we never even kind of considered. So I'd say it's the same abstractions layer that's happening. And we're seeing the same thing with fraud management and we're seeing the same thing with KYC. And there's a lot of other places where these new companies are, are sitting on top of maybe infrastructure that was created before, but doing it in a way that's that's new uh, and yeah. combined in some different ways. The building block analogy, I, I say I love it because I have four kids and I see Lego building blocks all over the place uh, in my house. Although when you step on them, it's not exactly the most pleasant experience, but they, they, my kids, they, they take things apart, they put them back together, and it's all about vision and seeing things differently, and in some cases, building upon what someone else has already done and iterating from that. When you think about these trends uh, over the past couple of years, what has surprised you most? What has been like, wow, that, that is a, that's something that we should be paying attention to here? I think one of the biggest ones is I call them mashups, but if you think about uh, there's fintech, but it's in com combination with something else. Like there's a there's one of our customers. Uh, they're called Bend, and they're making an expense card for companies. But the difference is that they're very climate friendly, and so the rewards for the card are actually carbon credits. That so as you spend on the card, you are uh, effectively helping combat climate change. And so they've have there's a lot of folks out there who obviously care about that. It's such an important problem. And so they're finding ways to combine these two industries, if you can call it, together. Yeah. That's been really surprising. And it's looking back, shouldn't be surprising because that's what entrepreneurs do. They try to create something new with the new tools that are available. Uh, and so it's been pretty inspiring seeing what types of problems that they're solving. Well, taking a look at Ben, and I do recommend this because one of the things that I wrote about in my book, Banking on Digital Growth, is when you're creating something new, if you start from a sense of purpose and really creating a purpose that is far bigger than the present moment, good things can happen, good collaborations or mashups back to your point. And the positioning of Bend is all about spending with impact and you earn 4% yield on deposits and this back to the point and carbon renewal rewards for everyday card purchases. So I like this perspective here of taking a purpose, i.e. taking care of the planet, and then bringing this back into a value creation space. Um, what else is happening on this front of collaborations or mashups of value creation, back to your point that 
that is the idea of entrepreneurship is you're creating something that did not exist before. What else are you seeing on this front? Yeah, absolutely. So another really interesting trend that's going on generally is this creator economy uh, ah. folks that have podcast episodes, you know, podcast shows like yourself, uh, YouTube channels, TikToks, and many are making a living out of it. I think I saw a stat that kids now 30% of them want to be a YouTube influencer when they, when they grow up, uh, which is just a sign of our times. Yeah. And the problem there is that those folks don't necessarily have access to the same financial services. Uh, they don't have a credit rating. They don't have uh, the rewards they get from their, you know, regular credit cards are not really applicable to what they're building. And so there's another customer that I'm very, very fond of and work with closely called Carrot, K-A-R-A-T, and they're building a card for creators. And the difference there is they can do underwriting based on things like how many followers do you have? Uh, what is your ad revenue? What is your brand sponsorships? Things that apply to creators that may not apply to the general public, right? And the rewards are tailored for that too. Right. So if they if they purchase equipment that's related to cameras or microphones or things like that. And so there's this mashup. And what's really interesting is neither of these companies went into it wanting to be a fintech company. Bend, want, Bend deeply cared about the environment. Uh, care deeply cared about creators and enabling this new entrepreneurship. And they realized that the thing missing for, for both of those, or one thing missing, would be financial services. Right. So they stumbled into fintech. And I think that's really surprising how many non-payments, non-fintech, non-bank experience folks are getting into it because they're solving a problem in another space and they realize that this this is the way to solve that problem. That's a, so gr that's been a very interesting trend. That's a great point when you're talking about solving problems and you're seeing things from a different lens and a different perspective than maybe incumbents might. Um, you're identifying common patterns that cause common people pain. When you're talking about Bend or even Carrot, and I think Carrot is a great example because the creator economy um, it is continuing to grow. I was just talking to someone the other day. I remember growing up, you know, uh, as a kid of the eighties, uh, in the jingle, uh, from Gatorade, like Mike, try to be like Mike, everyone to be like Michael Jordan. And now it's like, no people, I want to be like Mr. Beast when I grow up. Exactly. So it is creating new opportunities, but from a different perspective. And that comes back to something that I wrote about in baking on digital growth around, okay, we have a purpose, but what about the personas? Um, how, how does niche play into this idea of banking as a service? Because when we historically think about banking, it is typically from a broad brush. Um, we have checking accounts and we have savings accounts and we have loans and for all people, but what we're seeing in the banking as a service space is more of a niche approach. Why is that? I think it goes back to the, the point that a lot of these entrepreneurs are not necessarily getting into the space as fintech founders. Yeah. Uh, it's they're solving something they're very passionate about. And with, with Carrot, for example, they were creators, the founders, uh, and they realized this is going to be the future. There's going to be more and more of these people of completely different backgrounds and democratize around the world, right? All you need is an internet connection and uh, a microphone or even your cell phone camera. And so they've talked to a lot of them and realized, well, 
generalized financial services is the thing that's not as tailored as it should be for them. And so the niche they're going after, if you can call it a growing niche, yeah. uh, are these creators, right? And so they've done things for them that are very interesting. So they can, they are looking into bookkeeping and accounting in addition to just having a card or account product. They are looking at all these other kind of operating system principles that the creators have, some of which they don't even realize they have to do, like pay taxes, mm-hmm. uh, how to manage all that, right? So I think that the niche is something that our thesis, at least at Stripe and mine personally, is that there's going to be the carrots for every, all these different verticals, right. uh, which are very, very tailored. Now, again, we're built on top of general purpose financial services, right? We are partnering with banks to build these things. And so it's less about one versus the other and more this evolution of what is the user interface that actually talks to each of these niches. Just like people feel stressed about money, we understand digital growth can also feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. But it doesn't have to feel this way for you because you can join the Digital Growth University to gain clarity through education, to overcome the fear of the unknown. Build your team's courage with a growth strategy to eliminate the fear of change and increase your confidence with coaching to remove the fear of failure. Visit digitalgrowth.com university to apply. That's a fantastic point to make. And I want to come back to the creator economy just for context for the dear listener here. This is a, according to insider intelligence, $104 billion market. I do predict it will continue to grow because of the democratization of the internet and the ability to create in ways that were never possible before. And I think with the explosion of AI, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to my kids, 12 and 10 years old, about starting a podcast around something that they're passionate about, which is they love animals and uh, almost kind of doing a faceless YouTube channel because they're not ready to go out and put their faces public. But I'm like, you could use AI to co-create with, and it's that co-creation, it's that collaboration that I want to come back to the point that you were just making here. It's not, you know, when we think about baking as a service, it's not one or the other. I don't think we we need to view the world anymore from a competitive lens, but from a collaboration, uh, a lens of collaboration, a lens of abundance. There's an enormous amount of opportunity and a rising tide lifts all ships. Why is it important to keep coming back to this point around collaboration when we're talking about banking as a service versus competition? Because if we were having this conversation, say in 2014, I knew so much of the narrative was bank versus fintech. That's not the case anymore. The tide has turned here. It is completely flipped. Yeah, and I, I agree. It did feel like the David versus Goliath, you know, uh, new startups, fintech versus banks. I, I barely ever hear that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's it's clear by now that we do need to collaborate. First of all, there's a lot of things that each side knows very, very well. Yeah. Like, sure, these fintechs know technology and they know user experience and they know their niche really, really well, but banks are, they know financial services. Uh, and it's very surprising. Well, maybe surprising to a lot of founders, how difficult it is <laughs> to have a financial services product. Right. And right. Uh, what are the disclosures that you, how do you communicate what your product is to the end users, the end consumers uh, or the end businesses? There's a reason there are certain words you should and should not use because we don't want to mislead uh, the end user. And so, there's a lot of things that banks have figured out in terms of operations, mm. how do you handle disputes, support, 
you start to really admire the the kind of infrastructure that they're built on. Yeah. And then on top of that, the reason I think that that narrative has decreased is because we are literally collaborating, right? So banking as a service is, it won't work without the banks and it won't work without the end companies that are consuming our APIs. Right. And so we think of ourselves as a kind of a service provider in the middle, but we're just connecting these two parties right. and doing it through technology. When you think about collaboration, and it really is so good to see that narrative transform over time. Um, I've always been one who looks for opportunities to bring people together for good. Uh, hence the reason I just enjoy this podcast, because we're able to take your thinking and get that out into the world. And it's just maybe help someone see something just a little bit differently than how they saw it before. I, I want to pause here just for a bit to think about roadblocks that that you're seeing when it comes to banking as a service and fintechs collaborating with financial brands. What are roadblocks that have popped up along the way because the way that I look at roadblocks, I actually look at them as opportunities. Um, it's more of my stoic philosophy that the obstacle is the way forward. Uh, and it's just a matter of looking at things just once again, a little bit differently. So when you think about roadblocks, what something that the dear listener should be aware of that maybe it is a perceived roadblock, but in reality, it's an opportunity to consider going forward into the future. I think one of the one of the things that startups or founders are are particularly surprised by is around compliance. Yeah, what does that actually mean? Uh, the banks banks are regulated; mm -hmm. uh, they're regulated entities, and for them to expose the charter a bit and allow this whole field to flourish, they need to be sure, and we all need to be sure that there's oversight and that startups and companies and whoever's building on top of this are as compliant as possible. Now. Some companies may think of that as roadblocks because it's, well, that's delaying our, we want to be a tech company. We want to be a software company. Why do we have to do, worry about all this other stuff? But I'm noticing that the most ambitious founders and the most amb ambitious companies from day one realize this is critically important uh, and actually put structures around it, including other vendors, technology vendors who are popping up around to help uh, manage this. And so that's become a what maybe would be a, considered a roadblock a while back and now is compliance is an advantage uh, is the phrase that I think we're going to be hearing a lot more. So that that's definitely one of the one of the things there. Uh, the other, I wouldn't say a roadblock, but a, a stumbling uh, thing that's happening is that going back to admiring what banks have been able to do, acquiring customers is really hard. Mm. Uh, convincing customers when they have all these other options uh, on the market for their bank account or for their card to go to you as a startup uh, or as even a larger company, yeah, it's it's very difficult. Money, money really matters to people. Uh, trust is a huge factor when it comes to this whole space. And you don't really see how visceral that is until your company. And I work with a lot of these, these, these startups that are going out and trying to acquire these customers right. and, and come to the realization that, oh, okay, well, that's why those direct mailers actually work. Yeah. Or that's why certain rewards are ways that you get customers. And we need to deliver something to these customers that go above and beyond what they're used to uh, yes. getting from a, a bank. I, I want to stay on this subject because it's, probably one of the most fascinating subjects when it comes to maximizing future growth. Um, and it comes back to a model that I referenced in banking on digital growth, 
which is the pyramid of human relationships. Because at the end of the day, money is a very emotive subject. It's very, like you said, it's very close to us. It's very personal. And when we think about the pyramid of human relationships, at the foundation of every relationship, it's respect. Um, help me when I have a need, not when you have a need. At the pinnacle, it's love. It's commitment. Okay, I've I've got enough. I'm ready to commit to you and give you some of my dollars that you can take care of. But to bridge the gap between respect and love or commitment, it comes down to trust, what you say and what you do. When you're working with these fintech startups, what are you seeing really resonate to make deposits into the trust fund of people, of consumers, to either influence a buying decision, an application, for example, for depository account or credit, or transform behavior to move from brand A over to brand B. And sometimes it can take months, even years, to make enough deposits to transform behavior or influence action. But it all comes down to trust. What are you seeing on this front really resonate to to make these positive deposits? I'd say there's three things. So first of all, uh, these startups talk to customers constantly to ask them what they want to build. Uh, they're asking what's missing, right? If you... Any of the examples I brought up, all of them have stories of how they thought their customer wanted one thing yeah. and it wasn't, that's not exactly what they wanted. Just talk to them and have this empathy for the customer. Uh, and that, that kind of goes into point two, which is the service, the customer service, you can call it, that they have is just above and beyond, mm. right? Like they are giving the time of day to yeah. a department. Or they are, there's someone they can text sometimes. There's someone they can, uh, you know, message through some kind of web portal. But they have this level of service that they weren't maybe necessarily used to getting. Sure. And so that's one way that they they develop that trust. Uh, and then the third way is actually they don't always think of themselves as just going from one brand to another. It's there's something that these startups are building for that user base yeah. that goes beyond that, right? So. Another example, there's a company called Hostify, uh, and they're doing a neobank for short-term rental hosts. So if you're an Airbnb host uh, or VRBO, they have very particular needs. Uh, and so one of the things they offer beyond just the account and the card product is they help you with accounting. Uh, there's property expenses. There's rentals, right? Uh, rental income that needs to be allocated in a certain way. There's forms that have to be filled out. There's tax forms that you have to do. And so they really have tailored the product around that. And that's what makes com makes these rental hosts come to them, right? You're giving me something that is really critically important for me beyond just the card and the account. Right. And I think the point comes all the way back to what you started with here is it comes down to conversation. It comes down to making connections with real people to identify the problems that are causing them the greatest amount of pain that matter to them. Cause we all go into, uh, you know, starting something new with probably some assumption bias, preconceived notion. But until we actually have those conversations, we just don't know what we don't know. So that once again, we can fall back to uh, a bit of Socratic wisdom 
that Socrates, he, he referenced knowledge as I know I know nothing. Uh, and so I think that right there is a really key element to establishing trust because you're able to, okay, now I understand where you're com- coming from, empathy. Let's look ahead towards the future for just a bit. You know, you, you've, you're seeing a lot in the present moment. We, we, we talked about some of the evolution here. Um, you've shared some really good stories. What are you feeling most hopeful and excited about when it comes to banking as a service, looking ahead towards the future? There's a, there's a meme out there that's uh, every company will be a fintech company. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's something that's been going around where if you're a software as a service company, you're eventually going to want to offer payments and, mm-hmm. and all these other tools. Uh, I think a flip of that is something I really am excited about too, which is that everybody will be served by a fintech company or a, or a financial services company that is enabled by technology. Uh, so whether you are a farmer or, or you're a trucker or you're a short-term rental host or you're a creator uh, or you're none of those things and you're something else, it's you are going to be served by a what you may have originally before called a bank, uh, right. but you're going to be served by a company that really understands you and will give you way more than you think right now that you would be getting from a financial service provider. That's what I'm really excited about. And so it's really great to start seeing some of these companies now, uh, these fintechs, start to go a little bit past and expand past the financial services and realize that that's one piece of their offering. Mm. But what else can we do for them? Can we do the accounting? Can we help them market? Can we kind of enable them to run their business better? Yeah. Uh, is, which is really exciting. So they start with FinTech and they start going even more deeper into what the company needs. I think that's where I get excited as well, particularly from the lens of what I call the, the four C's. Content. Content helps to create awareness. It helps to nurture prospects. Uh, it helps to close more accounts. Then there's the curriculum that you're continuously educating in uh, providing value beyond, say, just the account. Then there's a coaching aspect. I think there's a coaching aspect that could be integrated into some of these service offerings. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to building a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Um, you know, when you're looking at some of the examples that you shared, back to your point around creators or the environment, uh, you've mentioned farmers, you, you've mentioned truckers. They all have very distinct niche communities too that allow for very unique growth opportunities uh, when you're thinking about TAM, total addressable market. Um, so I think that's another element there. If there's one, you know, just, I always like to just get into the personal perspective of people here. If there's one uh, particular niche vertical that that you see that you get personally as an individual, as a human being yourself, because you you have spent time building platforms leading up to this point in your own career, in your own journey on the, the accounting side of things. But if there's an area that you just get really excited about, if you were to start something yourself, what would that look like for you? I think one... I wouldn't call it a vertical, but one large unsolved problem is around mental health. Uh, And when I think about what are ways that we can help combat that, and it's a multi-pronged, multi-angled issue, uh, and it's growing, it's if you talk to therapists uh, and if you ask them how they're, they're basically entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, They're solo entrepreneurs. They are in charge of the marketing. They're in charge of what is the curriculum that they're going to be using? What is the practices they do? And now, now they have to be on Instagram and try to get 
uh, clients that way, uh, the cost of therapy is still high. Yeah. And one thing I always wonder, I would love to see someone tackle about myself is how can we maybe bring the cost of therapy down by helping streamline operations for these therapists? That's that's a very interesting angle that I haven't quite seen yet, uh, or medical practices or things around there where you're now not just helping the, let's say the therapist, you're also increasing accessibility to mental health care by making it easier, by making it cheaper. And so that's something that I that I really care about. And how is fintech going to play a role? I think fintech can play a role in a lot of places that are, are still untapped. And I'm very excited to see to see folks go after that market. You know, you're you're speaking my language on this one because I'm very fascinated about the intersection between financial well-being, mental well-being, and physical well-being. They're all interconnected. And I have a hypothesis that if you transform a person's mental perspective around dollars and cents, you can then transform the wallet, which will then have a positive impact on the physical well-being. Um, there was a study that was done by TD Bank a while back that showed the correlation and the connection between financial well-being and physical well-being. Um, Frost Bank out of Texas also has done a study um, around the idea of optimism and how optimists are they tend to be more financially healthy than say pessimists are. So I think what you're speaking into is, is, is an area of, of major growth, of major opportunity. Uh, I think about a couple of other conversations that I've had on this podcast um, for so some who are doing some work on that subject. So it is, it is definitely a, an area of importance for sure. If, if you were to make a recommendation as we start to wrap up here, because we've covered a lot um, and there's a, obviously a tremendous amount of opportunity to unlock and to capture and to create where to get started. Like if, if there was one recommendation you could make to the dear listener of looking out towards the future when it comes to banking as a service, what's one thing that they could do next to begin to make progress or to continue to make progress on their own journey of growth? I would, I would flip it a bit and say, look through a bit of what banking as a service is, but don't get attached to that. Banking mm. as a service is a tool. It's just a tool in a tool chest. Start to really look at the problems that you see in the world and where financial services might help play a role. Now it's on us infrastructure providers to get those Lego pieces to you and polish them and make sure that they're as powerful as possible for you. But we're counting on you. Society is counting on you to go identify where these uh, these pieces need to go in the first place. And so, like I said, with all my examples, none of them wanted, none of them thought they were going to use banking as a service. They right. didn't care about what banking as a service is. They cared about their individual pain points, right? Yeah. And a lot of that is very personal. And so I'd say first start to see where is financial services maybe lacking uh, or where could it be done better uh, and for who? Mm. And then banking as a service gives you some of those tools. Uh, and so that might inspire you to what you might do to solve the problem. Yes. But that, that's what I would say. Uh, like kind of just pay attention to when people talk about money, when people talk about, uh, especially business owners, uh, you know, in different fields, what are the pain points they have that many times can be solved with financial services? 
you know, I think it comes down to something that I'm very passionate about. And I wrote about this in banking on digital growth, but it's about putting people at the center of your thinking and of your doing. Um, and when we, when we keep people at the center of our thinking and doing, and that comes back to purpose, that's how we all can create an even bigger, better, brighter future for ourselves by first and foremost, creating a bigger, better, brighter future for other people. Um, so it's a bit of a causal and effect, put other people first, and then we all will rise and grow together. Ashwin, this has been a fantastic conversation. If someone wants to continue the discussion that we started here today, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hello to you? Reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Schwinda, S-H-W-I-N-D-A. That is the best place to reach me. Connect with Ashwin, learn with Ashwin, grow with Ashwin. Ashwin, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun today, buddy. Cool. Thanks for having me. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, be the light. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights, along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.